Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. This past Friday evening, uh, myself and a few other of our youth leaders had the unique uh, blessing and opportunity uh, to uh, take our teenagers on an all-nighter youth activity. And um, when I say all-nighter, I mean from 7 p.m. till I didn't get home till 7.30 a.m. the next morning. Uh, we had a great time, uh, but we didn't have a lick of sleep. And so, <laughs> but uh, uh, Lord willing, I'll last up here today. And uh, um, because the Cowboys are on a bye week, we may finish up around two o'clock. And so, I'm just kidding. Uh, don't get up and leave. <laughs> so, but with that being said, we had a great uh, weekend, and I'm excited uh, about this message. And um, it's the last uh, in a series that Pastor Aaron started. Uh, the series called Antisocial in a Social Media World. And when we first announced. The uh, series, there was a lot of uh, understandable consternation of, oh no, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Dan are going to preach about cell phones and how we live in our phones. And uh, that's part of it, but that's not the main purpose of it. The main purpose really uh, was for us to be more intentional uh, in our day-to-day interaction uh, with the people uh, we come in contact with. Uh, uh, The first week, uh, the message from Pastor Aaron preached just that on how to be intentional. And last week, uh, we looked at this idea of listening and responding uh, to the, the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And, and the message last week was, was called, Follow Me. And so this week, uh, the message is titled, To Accept or Block. And if you're a social media guru, you kind of already know what those two words mean. And uh, To Accept or To Block uh, is the title of uh, this week's uh, message as we wrap up this anti-social series. And the point of today's message is for us as, as, as Christians, or as people in general, to see and recognize the needs of our neighbors uh, and have love and mercy on those when they come across our path. To see the need of, uh, of our neighbors, our loved ones, our friends, and uh, people in general, and exercise love and mercy as they come across our path. I'm going to go ahead. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10 this morning. Luke chapter 10, and we're going to stay in that uh, portion of Scripture Verses 25 through 37, Luke chapter 10. The Bible says here in verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, this is Jesus replying, What is written in the law that thou readest? How thou, excuse me, how readest thou? Verse 27, and he answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. But he, this lawyer speaking to Jesus, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? We're going to answer that question this morning. Who is my neighbor? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these uh, brief moments we have to gather together in your house this morning. Uh, We pray for Pastor Aaron as he's away. We pray that you bring him back safely and you continue to use him as you already have done so there in Columbia. And uh, just pray for this message, Lord. I pray you would uh, allow me to clearly communicate the thoughts and, and the things that you've laid on my heart this past week in regards to this study. And I pray that each and every one of us in here, Lord, would just have an open ear and an open mind and heart to what you would have for us to do. 
Lord, we love you. We ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Accept or block. I don't know about you, but I get friend requests from people, and I try to be, you know, friendly. I try not to be like an isolated type person. That's just my personality. And uh, have you ever gotten a friend request or something on social media from somebody you don't even know? How, how many have done have that? Yeah, handful of us. And, and you start to click on them, and you start to look at who are my friends that are friends with these people. And, and that I get that a lot. And uh, and and it's and I'm sure it has to do with uh, uh, the position that I may be in or whatnot. But sometimes when I get a friend request out of the kindness of my heart, say, oh, I know this person through this person, so yeah, no problem, I'll, I'll accept them. But sometimes the moment I get a friend request, um, I get a message the next second later if I were to approve it, and the message is like, hey, I'm so-and-so, I know you through this, this, or that, and I want to sell you this product. And so I'm like, oh, here we go again. So what my next step is, is I don't even reply, I just go to another setting and I go block. Like, i not on social media to buy 17 different types of Tupperware. That's just not my thing. And so, um, although I should do that for my wife's next birthday or something like that, Mother's Day, you know, I, I'm losing an opportunity there. And so, but in our minds, whenever we, whenever we come across a person's need, uh, we kind of make this conscientious decision of whether or not we're going to decide to help them or not. Um, there are times where I'm driving down the highway. This happened to me last week. I'm driving down the freeway, and I'm going at a good rate of speed, and I'm in the left lane. And off to the right shoulder on the other side of the right lane, there's a lady changing a tire, and she literally was changing this tire by herself. And, I, and my thought was, it wasn't that she did not have the ability to do that, but I was really kicking myself that I didn't have the ability to slow down, get over, and pull over to help her change a tire. Now, that was my initial thought, but sometimes I've also had thoughts that have driven right past people in need and say, no, I have to be there at a certain time, and uh, I, I'm just too busy. I don't have time to help uh, this person. You know, in this story in Scripture, this, uh, this lawyer um, asks Jesus a question, and, and the question that he asks is, um, is, a, is an interesting question. And the question there in verse 25, we read a minute ago, we're going to, verses 25 through 29, is kind of paint a little bit of the background here before we get into the meat of the study. And in verse 25, he said, Master, what shall I do to inherit uh, eternal life? And it's kind of interesting, the, um, this lawyer, uh, the, this man who is a knowledgeable man of the law uh, there in, in Israel at the time, he, uh, he asks Jesus this question, and, uh, and it's interesting when he asks what shall I do to inherit? Now, normally when we inherit something, do we naturally have to do stuff uh, to, like, to earn that inheritance outside of signing a paper or something like that? An inheritance is something that usually we don't work for. And, and this lawyer's mindset as he's testing Christ, as the word there says tempted, um, he's saying to the Lord, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies, he goes, well, what does the law say? You know, and how, and how do you understand what the law says? And the, the lawyer, who is supposed to be skilled in what the law says, rebuttals right back to the Savior and says, well, the law says that we're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and our neighbor as thyself. So the Lord replies, and he goes, thou, you answered right. That's correct. That's exactly what the law says. And then in verse 28, Jesus says, this do, and thou shalt live. Wait a second. We have the formula right here in this passage 
on how we are to attain eternal life. And the lawyer is the one who quoted the law uh, from the Old Testament, and he says, We are to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said, You're right, do this, and thou shalt live. And before I read the next verse, I often wonder, how many of us in the history of all the world have been able to live out and keep this exact law, which is the greatest commandment, exactly the way Christ described it? Because Christ answered and said, you're right. If you live out this law, you will have eternal life. Well, I'm sorry to say that there's nobody on the face of this earth, myself included, that has ever loved the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And to be quite honest, none of us could really fit into this requirement outside of Christ the Savior, who did. And so in order for us to have eternal life, this is what we would have to do. And yet, this lawyer, it's almost like a courtroom scene, is going back and forth, back and forth. And when he quotes the law, and then Jesus said, yes, that's correct, go and do it, live the law, and you'll have eternal life, the lawyer kind of traps himself, and the Bible says willing to justify himself. you ever gotten into a conversation or a situation that you're like really pumped up, you think you know all the, the stuff there is to know, and then when you get to a certain point, you're like, uh-oh, um, I'm trapped, um, I need a backpedal, I need to like excuse my check, please get out of the restaurant, whatever you got to do. Um, this lawyer tries to change the argument, and then he says to Jesus in verse 29, and who is my neighbor? Notice how he skipped over Loving the Lord with all thy, with the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And so then he asks the question, "Who is thy neighbor?" So now we're getting into a discussion of definitions. And and, and don't get me wrong, this is lawyer tactics one on one. I have absolutely no problems with lawyers. This is their life. This is how they defend cases. That you know, when it comes to the definition and the application of the law. And so he asks Jesus, "Who is my neighbor?" And Jesus begins to reply to that question with a story. And the story here is one, some call the parable of the Good Samaritan. Some even said it may have been a real story. It's not like literally titled as a parable. But Jesus begins, begins to tell this story. Beginning in verse 30, he answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. The first point this morning I see out of this story that Jesus is sharing, there's three aspects here. The first part in verse 30, we see a story of ruin. A story of ruin. We see a story of a man that Jesus is sharing with this lawyer, who this man in, in verse 30 is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, most likely, in the context of where this man is traveling from and to, he's, he's a Jewish man. And uh, the lawyer himself that is being told this story by Christ, uh, most likely Jewish as well, most likely of the tribe of Levi. And um, so this man who is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, he's most likely Jewish. Some commentators say that the road between Jerusalem and Jericho was not the safest street to, to drive down, so to speak. Um, now, how many of you have lived in Las Vegas for more than 20 years? And so a good majority of us. And, and so now there's certain parts of the city that we know that are not the safest. 
and we may not necessarily want to drive down those parts. So some commentators said that this particular road was one that had a reputation of, of thieves lurking in the midst. And so this man was attacked by thieves in verse 30 in the story, and specifically the Bible says that he, his, his raiment, his clothing was stripped off of him. He was wounded, and then the, the attackers, the thieves, left him departed uh, there on the side of the road. They basically left him there to die. And um, I don't know about you, but one of the things that really kind of rubs me the wrong way with our society as a whole today, and it's not just within the, without the church, but I, I see it too within the church sometimes, um, but whether it's on social media or something like that, how many times have we seen videos of, of um, whether it's a person fighting a person or uh, a police officer taking someone down or, 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 or vice versa, somebody attacking a police officer or, or just fighting each other. And what do all the innocent bystanders do during that fight? Let me get my phone out and take a video. They had no concern for the physical well-being of the people involved in the altercation. They're like, I'm going to put this on YouTube. I'm going to put it on Facebook. I'm going to get a bunch of likes, a bunch of you know people to view it. And they take other people's misfortune and they try to rob it for their own five seconds of fame. And so this man was attacked. He was stripped of everything. He was beat up and he literally was left there to die. One question that I asked myself in this study was, if I saw that, if I was just traveling down the road, what would I do? And I was asking myself this question. Would I drive by? Would I get out? Would I regard my own safety, would I, or would I try to excuse it away to where I'm not going to get involved because that guy looks bigger than me and he might hurt me too? And, and those are all valid thoughts, but what is our response to when we see someone in need? It was two weeks ago, I woke up at 2 a.m. from my wife waking me up from a text message that she received from her sister about what happened downtown. And... I couldn't go back to sleep. I was watching the news. And my heart was just broken. And when I saw number after number come in, I, I cried and I teared up more. And, and, and part of that was, this is my hometown. This is my community. This is, this is horrible. And, and I admitted that there's been times where I've seen this happen in other cities and other parts of the world. And, and, and ashamedly so, I didn't have that same burden and reaction I had two Sundays ago when I was watching the news that early that Monday morning, and I, I, I looked at that event, and in one moment, innocent people enjoying a concert, singing songs, in one moment, and then the next moment, they're running for their lives. Whether it's somebody with a, a flat tire, whether it's someone who is experiencing a great tragedy, or whether it's someone that just needs help like emotionally or even spiritually, someone just says, hey, will you pray with me? When those needs are presented, how will we respond? And can I tell you something? I can't answer the question for each and every one of you, but I can answer it for me. And, and, and unfortunately, there have been times where I probably didn't respond in the way or the time that I should have. You know, these needs are not always physical needs, but they may be physical, excuse me, they may be emotional, they may, may be financial, or maybe even spiritual. So the story of ruin that Jesus is sharing with this lawyer was that this man was attacked, he was stripped of all of his possessions, and he literally was left on the side of the road to die. Secondly, this morning we're going to see a story of rejection, picking up in verse 31. The Bible says, And by chance there came down a certain 
priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So the first person, and and I literally labeled these strangers one, two, and three. The first stranger that comes down the road is a priest. Like, okay, so the moment I read the first person is a priest, I'm like, all right, here we go. Priest, he's going to help this guy. He's going to, you know, uh, he's, 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 he's a man of the word of God. He, 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 he's naturally going to help out this person that's physically um, been assaulted. You know, this priest, this man, uh, in this story, think of the context of Jesus telling the story to this lawyer. This priest symbolizes that of organized religion. And, and so, and, and the Bible says it was by chance he even came down that way. So part of me wonders, is this the road that he normally traveled? Uh, was this a road that for whatever reason he had to go down that way? So by chance he came down that way. And when he saw the man who was there literally left on the side of the road to die, the response of the priest was he passed by on the other side. Saw the man and almost literally crossed the street to not even help him. Now, as a pastor myself, and I read that, and, and then when we read that as, as Christians, we're just like shocked. Like, really? Priest? Like, this is your job to help people, and you didn't do it? And so a lot of times I can get super critical about the man in the story, but then if I self-examine my heart, there's been times, too, where I've not helped people, and I should have. And so he saw the man, he, he, he went, and, and, and it's not the expectation, it's not the response that we expected from that priest. But look at verse 32. Verse 32, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. This man symbolizes that of the, of the organized law. And so we have two individuals. We have the priest who symbolizes religion. We have the Levite, the tribe of Israel that was responsible for maintaining, interpreting, and communicating the law. Um, they see this man left to die, and he too passes by on the other side. So then the question comes to my mind is why would these two men of position, of authority, of stature, ignore this man's literally life-threatening needs? Were they afraid for their own life? That road having the reputation of thieves falling on? That, that's a legitimate question. Were they, were they fearful of their own safety? Were they too busy? I got stuff to do. This guy looks like he's a goner, so I got to go this, this, and this. Were, were they too busy? Or to mirror a question that pastor asked us a month ago before this series even started, did they even care? Did they even care? Two weeks ago, and proceeding as information of the tragedy that struck our community was disseminated to the public, we heard story after story after story of strangers helping strangers get out of that concert venue. I saw video after video of a a young lady saying, I don't know where to go. I'm alone. And a random stranger said, this guy says, don't worry, come with me. We'll protect you. We'll get you out of here. And, And I saw that reaction after that reaction. But then there was another reaction that wasn't really publicized all over the news. And, and I'm not trying to be judgmental in any way. In that scenario, in, in that tragedy, I would have done probably the same thing that many people did. Get me and my loved ones and whoever else out of the way to safety. But there were some reactions, and I didn't hear this on the news. I heard this more through word of mouth. There were some times where people did see other people in need, and for whatever reason, they decided to keep going. 
And, and like I said, I'm not trying to be judgmental. They probably had their own family and they had themselves to get out of there and take care of. And, 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 and for those that did help and for those that didn't help, whatever the reason may have been, the people helping in that scenario, they, they, they didn't regard their own life. I know a story of a police officer. Many of you have seen this in the news. Him and his wife were at the concert. He was off duty. And he gets his wife over to safety. And then what does he do? He runs right back into the, into the storm. And he tries to save as many people as possible. And the number will never be known how many people he saved. But he ultimately gave his life that night because he was, his life was taken when he went back to help. My, a pastor friend of mine that I actually got to spend the weekend with at that all-nighter, he was with that police officer's wife that entire evening, just praying with her and just trying to be a comfort, trying to be a peace. See, this police officer had no regard for his own safety. He got those that he cared about safe, and then he went right back in and literally put his life on the line. When we see someone in need, how will we respond? I often thought in the last couple of weeks, if I was there and my wife was there, what would I have done? Well, how would I have, have reacted? Unfortunately, in this scripture, we see two individuals that are the epitome of those that should have been the people on the front lines to help this man who was laid on the side of the road, and they unfortunately rejected their, his need. In other words, they blocked him out, because whatever the reason was, and like I said, I don't know, but keep in mind the context of the story here that Jesus is telling to this lawyer. And so, thirdly, this morning, I'm going to spend a little bit more time here. It's a story of redemption. Look at verse 33 through 35. Beginning in verse 33, the Bible says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Verse 35, And on the morrow, when he departed, he took two pence, and gave them to the host. And said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. This is the complete opposite reaction of the two strangers we just saw. This third stranger is a Samaritan, and if you know anything about the, the historical context of this man traveling on the road who was most likely of Jewish descent, to have a Samaritan, which was the neighboring country to the north, and uh, they didn't get along very well. Egypt and Samaria were enemies. And to have this Samaritan, this stranger, come into play and, and be the one that helped is quite ironic. Um, so he was, he was a, a man that was an enemy of the Jewish by nationality. He was on this journey. He's coming down on this trip. He sees this man on the road, on the side of the road. Did he pass to the other side once he saw the man? Because that's what the priest did. That's what the Levite did. But when the Samaritan comes and sees this man's need, the Bible says when he saw him, in verse 33, it does not say he went to the other side. Help me out. What does it say? When the Bible says when he saw him, he had what? Compassion on him. Compassion. He saw a man in need and decided not to focus on his schedule, not to focus on his needs or where he needed to go, but he decided this man needs help. And I don't even know who he is, and he's not even from my country, but I, I'm going to have compassion. I'm going to love on this man. I'm going to take care of this man. The Bible says he cared 
for his wounds. He placed oil and, 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 and cared and tended at his wounds. He, he, he placed this injured man on his own beast, whether it was a mule uh, a donkey or a, a horse. Um, so he basically said, you know what? I'm going to walk to the rest of the way. I'm going to place this injured man on my animal. I'm not going to like have him walk. Um, so he shows the, the uh, importance of, of loving and caring for this man's need. And then he brought him to an end and specifically paid for him to stay there to recover. And the next morning when he was to leave, he paid for the, the end, but then he also said, if he costs more, when I come back, I'll pay for it. I don't know about you, but I can't think of a time in my life where I saw somebody injured on the side of the road where I took time to care for their wounds and, and take them to a motel. And, and listen, I'm not saying we have to do every little thing that we see here in this story, but my question is this morning is this lawyer asking Jesus, who is my neighbor? I got to do all this, this, and this, but who is my neighbor? Trying to ask Jesus, trying to trap him again, saying, wait, do I really need to love and care and do all these for all these people? Like, who is my neighbor? And, and Jesus said, well, there's this, this priest that messed up. There's this Levite that messed up. And this Samaritan who who goes to take care of this man and have compassion on him and, and puts him in the, and, and pays exp- his expenses and then in turn pay, promises to pay the difference when he's to come back. How about you? But that's the story of redemption. That's the story of acceptance. And to be quite honest, it's the story of the gospel. The picture, the illusion, the, the fact that we, because of our sin, metaphorically speaking we were beaten up we were on the side of the road we were clinging on for life and yet how many times have we as christians seen those that have that spiritual need have that family member have that loved one that we know that they may not have had that genuine relationship with christ i I find it interesting here the picture of the priest of organized religion the the levite of organized law Um, versus the Samaritan who was the stranger who gave of his own resource to save this injured man, I find it interesting that it's not religion that's going to save you. It's not the law that's going to save you. It's a genuine relationship that we can have with Christ. And Christ, in a way, was the man who came and picked us up off the road. He did all the work on the cross. We didn't have to do list A, B, C, and D in order for us to attain salvation. No, he paid the price with his blood. And then continues to pay the price with his blood when you and I continue to mess up on a daily basis. You know, I'm so thankful for the love and, <coughs> excuse me, the mercy that this third man has shown in this story. Two weeks ago, when the tragedy took place, a friend of mine that I grew up with at my church growing up posted a story about his brother. His brother, and I ended up, let me read the, um, the posting, if you will, and then I'll share a little bit more after I had a chance to speak with my friend that I grew up with. So anyways, my friend's brother said, on Sunday night, when my brother rushed down to Route 91, after getting a call from friends asking for help, he arrived to a scene of pure chaos. Unable to find his friends at that moment, first responders asked my brother, to transport a critically wounded young girl from out of town who was attending the festival with her friend to the emergency room. His rapid reaction to the situation and disregard for his own safety 
as no barricades had yet been set and the situation was still evolving at that point, resulted in the young girl getting the immediate care she desperately needed. His car sustained several thousand dollars worth of damage to the suspension, the motor mounts, from driving over multiple medians and curbs to get off of the strip in order to transport this injured young girl to the hospital as quickly as he could. The wonderful part of it all is that he received a call from from some extremely grateful parents the next day, literally thanking him for saving their, their daughter's life. And he was able to meet the, the family and the young girl who only 24 hours previous, he did not know if he would make she would make it beyond the night. So I spoke with my friend on Friday on the phone here in the office and and, um, and I basically said, hey, do you mind if I share this story in my message on Sunday? And and, um, and he said, no, that, that would be great. You know, feel free to. And and I wasn't going to like, he said, just out of respect, like, I don't want to have any attention. I don't really do the name thing. And I said, no problem. So when he was telling me about it beyond what I just read from his brother's side of it, he said his friends were down at the concert. He was at the Orleans. He gets a phone call. He rushes down there as fast as he can. But because of the crowds dispersing and just the, the, the chaos, he could not get to where his friends were. His friends were safe. They were, in a, they were just looking to get picked up. And, and uh, he was on the phone with his friends when he said, a first responder just asked me to take this young girl to the hospital. And his friend's like, go ahead, do it. We're safe. Get her to where she needs to go. And I sat in my office on Friday listening to this story with tears streaming down my face because my friend said that this girl and her friend were in the backseat of his car and I won't get graphic, I don't want to get too detailed, but she had a lot of wounds that she was bleeding all over the car. She was on the phone with her dad and said, Dad, I've just been shot. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I love you. My friend's telling me this story, and I'm sitting there thinking, what if I was the dad and that was my daughter? He, he said to me, he goes, Dan, once I heard her say that over the phone, it's like, this girl's not dying in my car tonight. He rushed over, literally drove over meeting. And it's like, he gets to the hospital. He said his car was shaking. It was bumpers were falling off and everything. He gives his business card to the girl's friend. The girl goes in. He has no idea what's happening. So the next day, the friend calls him back and said, she went through surgery. They got everything they needed to get, and she's going to survive. And I just sat back, and I'm like, you're a hero, dude. Like, you were the epitome definition of a man who disregarded his own safety, a man who disregarded his own possessions, and put a stranger's life over the value of a silly Cadillac car. And he was a hero. And then the cool story was his friends, he had friends on Facebook that literally defriended and blocked him to go fundraise behind his back and get his car fixed. And then so much money came in that he, he only decided to get a few things fixed, and all the money went to that girl. But then he said the greatest moment is when he got the call, a, gal, a call from the mom in Nebraska and then got to meet with their dad and literally them tell her, you saved our daughter's, our daughter's life. And can I tell you something? I, I said this a little over a week ago, and Aaron and I were talking. Even last week, Aaron and I were discussing and praying about what Aaron's message should be on Sunday. And, uh, and I said, Aaron, I, I don't want to say this the wrong way because what happened and I hate using this word, but I can't think of another word. It gave us an opportunity as, as believers, as those of us who have hope in Christ, to love on our community. Even though we're commanded to do it already, it, it gave us that opportunity to love our community in a way. And I was talking with my friend, and him and I kind of go back a little bit. Both of 
we both had parents who passed away last year. And, and I literally said, I don't know the theological way of it happening, but if your dad is able to look down on what you did, he's proud of you. He said, he's probably thinking he raised a good boy. And, and, and so when, when all this stuff came about and, and, and how he had the opportunity to save a girl's life, he didn't get to the concert and just know his friends were over there. He didn't ignore this girl's need. He put it over his own. And the Lord took care of his car. Someone asked me, would you do that? I was like, I don't care about a car. Someone's life is way more valuable because a car can be replaced. A life cannot. You know, as Christians, when we see needs, and obviously with what happened downtown two weeks ago is a, is a major comparison to compare to someone having a flat tire on the side of the road or someone in a family that, that needs prayer. But when we see a neighbor have a need, how are we going to respond? Can I share something with you that's a little humbling? Sometimes myself and us included, we react like the priest. We react like the Levi, and we ignore it. We block them out, and we go along on our way. But can I tell you something? People notice that. People see that outside the church. Well, the Christians, they, they didn't help. Or da, da, da. You know, on the, week, the days that followed that event, it didn't matter if you were Christian, non-Christian, black, white, uh, Hispanic, it didn't matter what you were. This community came together in a way that in the 31 years of my life that I've lived here, I have never seen that happen. It's like what Pastor said the other day. I've never seen the word pray on a billboard in Las Vegas. Pray for Vegas. Vegas strong. You know, we are in a community right now that is still healing. This past Tuesday, my wife took me to a hockey game for my birthday. And for those of you that may have been at the game or, or watched it on television, the, the pregame tribute to the first responders and those that were injured and those that lost their life was so on point. It was 58 seconds of silence, and we couldn't hear a peep in an arena of 20,000 people. And to... And it's a silly hockey game. And in the grand scheme of things, they scored three goals in seven minutes, and that place was on fire. Like, it was shaking. And I literally was thinking how the Lord can use something as silly as a sporting event to bring smiles to these people's faces. And then I, and then I thought this past week, I think it was, Mickey, you shared a post on Facebook from a preacher. And I was sitting here singing this morning, and just just thankful. I mean, our praise team did a wonderful job in thinking about how Jesus is Savior, Jesus is Lord. And then the, the, Mickey shared a video on Facebook this, this week of a preacher who said, he says, y'all can get into it when you're worshiping, and you can really say, you know, you know praise the Lord, and he kind of made some jokes too. But then he said, um, when you get down to the football game, you root for this athlete, and you scream your head off like it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. And then you said, we won, we won. And he's like, y'all are on the team. You wear a jersey, they don't know who you are. And I was like, yeah, that's me. I'm getting convicted right now. And, uh, and, and then he said, some of you guys are not even like, I was like, you'll never play for this sports team. But he, in, in paraphrase, he goes on to say, you know, but when you're in church, you're kind of like, oh, I can't get too loud and excited because people will be afraid of, oh, he's over emotional or he's getting too into, the, into it. And in reality, he said, you know, God drafted you to be a starter on his team. You're just a fan of that team. And so 
in reality, like, where is our passion when it comes to the things of God? And, and I'm speaking to myself here because I, I am a diehard Cowboys fan. When Dak Prescott dives into a touchdown, I do scream my head off. Tuesday night, when they scored that goal, you can ask my wife, I shot up like a bottle rocket, screaming with my arms in the air, losing my voice after the first period. But do I have that passion when I worship? Do I have that passion when the Word of God is open before me? Do I have that same passion when someone next to me on the road has a flat tire? Do I care enough for that neighbor? Real quickly in closing, verses 36 excuse me, 36 through uh, 37. So Jesus wraps up this story, and he says, which now of these three, speaking back to the lawyer, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Jesus says, of these three strangers, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, who was the neighbor? The question is, who is my neighbor, Lord? So Jesus says, okay, of these three, who is the neighbor? Look at verse 37. And he, this lawyer, said, he that showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. So in the story, Jesus said that the Samaritan had compassion. After the story, when Jesus said, Who was the one who was the neighbor in this context? The the lawyer that was testing Jesus said, He that showed mercy. So the neighbor, from the Lord's perspective, was one that showed compassion or love. And mercy. We sang about love and mercy just a moment ago. So when we see someone in need, our reaction shouldn't be, am I too busy? Do I have things I have to get to? Or, or no, it should be, I need to love and have mercy on this individual. And I'm not just talking about flat tire. I'm not just talking about in, in the midst of tragedy, helping people physically. But what about spiritually? What about our friends? What about our neighbors? What about our loved ones? Do they know you go to church? Do they know what, what we believe as to what Jesus did on the cross for us? And yet, a lot of times we can have too many excuses. We can ignore them. We can block them out. But when we see a need, are we going to accept that need as something that you and I could do, something that we could get involved in? Another interesting point here in verse um, 36, when Jesus said, who is that neighbor that fell among, who was the neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? <clears throat> the lawyer responds, he that showed mercy on him. The lawyer couldn't even utter the word Samaritan because he was a Jewish man of the law. And the racial tendencies of like nationalities and enemies was still there. He said of him that showed mercy. He didn't say it was the priest, the Levites. He couldn't even utter the word Samaritan. What does that tell me? Is that Jesus says it doesn't matter what people look like. It doesn't matter how people act. You are to love them and have mercy on them regardless. I don't know about you, but I get disgusted every time I turn on the news and I see this fighting going on or this protest going on. And and I'm not against protesting and standing up for what is right, but behind a lot of it is hate. Behind a lot lot of it is anger, some justified, some not. But at the same time, I'm like, we live in a society today that we used to get upset when a president said, we are not a Christian nation. Well, he's, he's getting more accurate because we're sure not acting like one. We're acting like the nation that will ignore the needs of others, but in reality, we should be acting with compassion and with love. At the very end of verse 37, he that showed mercy on him, and Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. 
Verse 28, Jesus said, If you can love the Lord with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind, and, and love thy neighbor as thyself, thou shalt live. He was saying, if you can live this perfect life, you will have eternal life. But Jesus realized, as he's telling this lawyer, nobody is going to live this perfect life. Jesus did because he was tempted in all points like we are. He died on a cross and he shed his own blood for each and every one of us so that you and I one day could go to heaven by simply asking for his forgiveness, by asking him to have, to, to have that relationship with him, to save us. And that's what Jesus did. And yet, when he tells this lawyer to, that the man who's the neighbor, because the lawyer is trying to change the terms, like, who is this man's neighbor? Well, the man who was from a different country, who was, quote-unquote, an enemy, this Samaritan that had love and compassion on him. So the question is, what would we do when we see someone in need? Would we ignore them? Would we block them out? Are we too busy? Do we even care? No matter what the need may be, there's a way that we can help. And I, like I said earlier, I hate using this word, opportunity, but we live in a community right now that still needs healing. I didn't even think about this the other day, but a gentleman said to me the Monday night of the prayer vigil, he said, there's going to be people in this event that for years will suffer PTSD. And, and I'll be honest with you, in the moment, it's not a thought I even had. They're going to have post-traumatic stress from this tragedy. Children in our schools are going to grow up remembering what had happened. And to be quite honest, the road to recovery is a very long road with what's gone on in our community. And God has given us, like I said, I hate this word opportunity, but God has given us an opportunity as believers, as a body of Oasis Baptist Church to reach out and be literally the hands and feet of Christ and to love and to help this community. Balled my eyes out when I saw how much money people were raising. And can I tell you something? Money is not going to replace a single thing. But for these people not to worry about medical expenses, for companies to come and say, we're going to pay for every funeral, for companies to say, we're giving umps, millions and millions of dollars to these needs. And I sat back and I said, God, thank you for, for a community that despite their petty differences, whether it's political or religious beliefs, that they, they differ, they came together and they showed unity. And, and, and as a church, we have this opportunity to say, God loves you. You know, the question was raised, where was God in all of this? He never left. Why did God allow this to happen? I don't know. But God has given each and every one of us an opportunity to love on our neighbors. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.